Morning, everyone. It's good to be back in Hale Zone again. I think the last time I was here, I spoke on the subject of giving and money. Anybody remember that? It's giving part two today. <laughs> yeah. Now, like many of you, um, at this time of year, Priscilla and I uh, sit down and, and look at our past year and say, is what we did, was it productive? You know, what, what we, did we just travel around or, or were we actually were we going somewhere? And uh, we, we did that this year and we felt it was a, well, a very busy year. But it was, a, it was a really good year. And we, we looked back, we said, we don't want to spend our lives wandering instead of traveling. Because the reality is in life, there can be lots of movement and lots of activity. But you're not actually going anywhere, achieving anything. And, and we, that's, that's kind of our, our criteria that we, we set. Are we, are, we, are we wandering around, doing lots of things, traveling all over the world, or were we actually traveling, in, in other words, with intention? Leon used a phrase that this morning that, uh, what was it, what did you put? It's direction, not intention, and, and determines your destiny. Thank you. Whoever said that, okay. It's a, it's a really, it's a fantastic one actually because it's really important that we get a sense that not only are we moving, but we're moving with intention and we're traveling. So I've called today's talk, Traveling or Wandering, Traveling or Wandering. And I want to pick out a few verses from Deuteronomy chapter one. Uh, I've got Priscilla's Bible, which is quite small writing, uh, but I don't need glasses, just longer arms. You know, you know the old one? <laughs> So we're going to read in Deuteronomy chapter 1, and it's the story of a people who, who actually wandered 40 years. They wandered never finding their purpose in God. And it says this, I'm going to, I'll skip down them all because they're big words that I, I don't want to embarrass myself. And it says, these are the words Moses spoke to all Israel in the wilderness east of the Jordan. In verse 2, it takes 11 days to go from Horeb to Kadesh Barnea by, Mount, by the Mount Seir Road. In the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses proclaimed to the Israelites all that the Lord had commanded him concerning them. This was after he had defeated Shehon, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Bashan, and Edrei, who defeated Og, king of Bashan, who reigned in Ashtaroth. East of the Jordan, in the territory of Moab, Moses began to expound this law, saying, the Lord our God said to us at Horeb, wait for it, you've stayed long enough at this mountain. Break camp and advance into the hill country of the Amorites. Go to all the neighboring peoples in the Arba, in the mountains, in the western foothills, in the Negev and along the coast to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the Euphrates. See, I have given you this land. Go in, take possession of the land the Lord swore he would give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to their descendants after them. This particular passage is Moses looking back on 40 years. It's not the start of the 40-year journey. It's looking back on it. So he's assessing that did they travel or did they wander? And of course, when you, when, particularly when you read the first couple of chapters, you realize that his conclusion was that they wandered for 40 years, not really achieving their, uh, their purpose in God, because God had a place to take them to. And, and I, I, think it's, I think it's really important just to, to pick up on that, because you kind of think to themselves, well, could they, not have been, could they not have been all that God wanted them to be when they were wandering around the desert? You know, 
Well, well, the answer is, of course, that, that you have to be the right people in the right place at the right time in order to make it a place for God. You say, well, what, what, what's important? Well, of course you can. It, it, it's a, you have to know where God has placed you. That's why you live in the West Midlands. That's why God's put you here. Sometimes you think, goodness, I wish I was anywhere else. I had a conversation with an American recently, and you know, and we go to states a lot. And I said, if you could live anywhere in the world, Paul, where would it be? And I go, Belfast. Because, because you know, if I wanted to be somewhere else, that's where I would be. And so, so God, you've got to be there. You've got to be the right people. That's why you belong to this church. That's why God's placed you here. It's not simply that, that you, you, you travel in and you, you, you wander in and you wander out. It's that God's called you to be part of a people who are traveling somewhere. So you have to be the right people in the right place at the right time because God wants you to make it a place for God. And it's really important that. So God's, God's got a purpose for these people. He wants to take them to a particular piece of geography and, and he wants them to represent him there and, uh, and fulfill their, bless, their mission to bless the nations. In fact, you, you pick up on it in the last verse that I read. Uh, the Lord swore to give the land to their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were, they were the part of that great flow of history of, of God blessing Jacob in order to be, uh, blessing Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in order that they might bless the nations. And that's why God's put you here, to be a blessing to the nations. And so on this journey that God has taken us on, let's make sure that we're not wandering around, but we're actually traveling. And I, I, I don't know, Lena, I've got to be careful. I just think it's for individuals today. But I think, I think for the beginning of the year that it's for a church, you've got to say, Lord, we don't, want, we don't want to spend the next year or even the next few years wandering around. We want to actually travel to the place that God has for us. And that, and that, that can mean lots of things. Now, what happens is whenever the people of Israel, I don't know if you know the story, but uh, they, the uh, people of Israel had been in slavery in Egypt uh, and 400 years had gone by and the, the time came to, for God to take them over the Red Sea and into the promised land. So Moses takes a, uh, the, the people across the Red Sea and he, they don't go straight to the land. And, and it, says it, it, took a, it's a, it says later on, it takes 11 days to do it. They've done it straight, they've taken 11 days. But for 40 years, they missed what God had for them. It's, it's kind of bizarre to me. But, but the interesting thing is that the first thing that God does is for the first couple of years, he takes them to Mount Horeb or Sinai. And they kind of set up camp there because God's got some things he wants to do in the people. And, and, and it's, it's, I'll just skip over them or, or sort of mention them in passing because remember, there are people who've been enslaved for, four, uh, for 400 years and they have to, God's trying to establish in a formal basis his relationship with them. So the, the first thing that he does is he establishes that they're in relationship with a wonderful God. In fact, they're called the children of Israel. It's that God becomes their father. The, the, the way they relate to him changes. And it's, it's not, he's not the, the God who created the earth anymore. He is always that, of course. But something changes in the nature of the relationship. They become the children of Israel. They, God is a father to them. And it, it tells us something about, about Christianity, that it is essentially, first and foremost, a relationship with a living God. 
It's about being in relationship with him. It's, 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 not, it's, it's not all the things that we might think it is, but it is being in ultimately an intimate relationship with him. And when I, by, when I say intimate, I mean that you've got a relationship where he knows you and you're beginning to know him and, and there's a, a love and a, a purpose and a desire in your heart to, f- to follow him and you talk to him and you're in, you, he directs you and guides you. That's the nature of Christianity. And, and the fantastic thing is that, you know, whenever we, whenever we begin to preach that, we must never miss that out. God establishes first that he wants to have a relationship with his people. The second thing he gives them is an identity. Because they're, they're a ragtag bunch of slaves. And, and so God tries to form them into something that they will know that they are sons of God. So it's an incredible phrase. Ladies, don't be offended at that. It's a generic term. I always say, if, if, ladies, if you have to be a, a son of God, men, you have to be part of the bride of Christ. So it's just the way it works, okay? You know, so don't, don't, don't be. So there's a sense in which the nature of being born into the family of God, they are a people. They're connected to, to a God. They have a relationship, but they have an identity. We are the people of God. That's what they call themselves. Number three, they had distinctives. Because of their relationship with God, it set them apart from the other nations. And it's a very, it's an interesting one as we try and work that out in the 21st century. You know, how in connecting with a broken world, uh, what distinctives should we still retain and what barriers need to come down? Because the problem was that every time Israel threw off their distinctives, they were ineffective in the witness that they had to, to the nations. In fact, they became, it, it, it spoiled them. They just became like the nations round about them. And I think as a church, we live in a really fine balance there, don't we? We, we want to identify with a broken world because, because we're, we're people who've, who've, who've been broken and yet have come into a relationship and have a new identity with God. But, but, but whenever you come into a relationship with God, he begins to change you. You have, it's called Christ being formed in you and your life changes. It's not a list of do's and don'ts, but there are some things that you don't do. And sometimes we miss that. And number four, very simply, he gave them a purpose. And it was to be a light to the Gentiles. It was to, uh, it was to effect an incredible change in the nations around about. It was never for themselves. Unfortunately, for the most part of their lives, they thought it was about them. But it wasn't about them. It was about the nations around about them. And I think that when we talk about church and we look for the future, we've got to keep that in the forefront of our mind. It's not all about me. Actually, it's been, it's been wonderful to be here this morning. But you know something? This is about the people who aren't here. That it really is. Because if you lose your purpose, ultimately you lose the other things as well. And number five, and probably I think the sweetest thing of all was that they experienced the presence of God. God actually came. It's called the, the it, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to imagine, but in, in the form of a cloud, God dwelt in their midst, right in the middle. They had, they had 12 tribes, four at each side, and, and God was in the midst. The idea of them, God being at the center of who they were as the people of God, and they had the presence of God. You know something? We may never have the expertise and the technology of MTV or, or whatever, but the one thing that they can't recreate is this, the presence of God. And it is the most powerful and effective tool of witness that we have. And that's what God did for Israel. So after the two years, moving, moving swiftly on, uh, they wanted to stay there. Moses says, remember the word, and I think this is a word to some people today. And it's about, in one sense, it's about the lethargy of, of, the, uh, of the life that we live sometimes. It's, it's time to move from this mountain. Time to break camp. 
And they didn't want to go because they'd found something that was, that was encouraging them. They were comfortable. Their life was going on. They wanted to stay. It was a great place to be. God's presence was in their midst. And I think it's really important that we, we I want to just tease something out here. Because I'm, I'm really convinced that no matter how intense your experience is of God, if it does not result in character transformation and movement, ultimately it'll become an idol. And you say, what do you mean by that? Well, I, I, and I'm, I'm very, this is something that I've sort of wrestled with recently. I, it, would be, it would be false of me to say that your life will be changed this morning. You say, well, you're a preacher, you should say that. No, I'd say this, that you have the potential to have your life changed this morning. Because an encounter without a process can become an abscess. You see, you, you might be sitting here this morning and say, you know something, I'm going to stop wandering, I'm going to start traveling. But if you don't set some th- in place some things in your life and begin to process that, you'll begin to despise the encounter that you had that told you that. That's why, and Leon hasn't told us to do it, but the MOT, I honestly, sign up for that. Why? Because you make a decision, I'm going to read the Bible this year, and then you do nothing about it. You've got to set some things in place. It's event-based Christianity versus process-based Christianity. God has the potential in your life to change your life this morning. And you can make a decision that will change everything, but you've got to follow through on it. And these people, they knew who they were. They, they were the people of God. They'd got something, but they continued to wander for 38 years. I don't want to be part of a tribe that wanders for 38 years. I want to grasp hold of what God has for me. Let me tell you, uh, so, so when Moses says it's time to move from this mountain, and, and, it, and it is another interesting one because you, you kind of think, was it a command or an invitation? In 1974, I was, um, I was in the clothing business and I was posting a letter on Royal Avenue in Belfast. And uh, you can imagine what 1974 was like in Belfast. And I just put the letter through the, through the letterbox and I felt a poke in the back. And there were six soldiers standing around me. And one soldier said, uh, you're under, I'm arresting you under the, first, uh, the Special Powers Act for murder and attempted murder of two soldiers. And he said, would you like to come with me? Now, you know, it wasn't really an invitation. (laughs) You know, it wasn't really an invitation. In fact, there was a Sterling submachine gun shoved right up my nose. And it was, it was, it was, you know, and so I knew it wasn't, it wasn't an invitation. So when a policeman says, do you mind coming along, sir? It's not an invitation. (laughs) Do, Do you understand? But sometimes we think it is an invitation. We think God's saying, look, if everything's okay in your life and I haven't disturbed you too much and it doesn't upset you and you don't have to give up too much time, it doesn't cost you any money or effort or anything, would you ever consider? No, I'll tell you what, forget the whole thing. You know, we, we kind of, and you've got to be really careful about that because I think sometimes in your life, God breaks through and, and he does, I, honestly, I, believe, I do believe that God gives you um, invitations. There are times when God says, what do you want to do? You see that in scripture. There, you know, Solomon, what do you want me to give you, Solomon? There are times when God puts it to you, what do you want? But, but most of the time in our life, whenever God speaks to you, isn't, it's, not, it's, a, it's not, you know, it's not, listen, it's, it's okay, time to break, 
trying to break camp. I, I suppose I get a sense, you know, uh, in terms of talking to the church and the people in it, God's saying it's time to break camp and leave this mountain. And it might be the mountain of your, your lethargy, apathy, whatever. And it's not, I'm not, I don't, but I just think that God's saying, you know, there's something happening in, in the church. And I think there's something happening in this church. I have to say, every time we come, the, the spiritual atmosphere goes up a, a, a tone, honestly. It's, it's, it really is. We're just so, ex, you know, excited. There's not a word that we all use. But honestly, it's just fantastic. But I think God's saying to you, it's time to move from this mountain. Let's not settle where we are. Because the problem is that the, the, uh, it can become a camp of comfort. Let me give you a few. Camp of, camp of comfort there. Life was good and they were safe. They'd gotten into a rut. And you know, whenever you're, whenever you're comfortable, who wants to go into the unknown? It's six years to the day whenever I was a senior pastor of I suppose the second largest church in Ireland. I mean, I'm not saying that because I'm wonderful, though I am. But uh, not why I'm saying it. I'm not why I'm saying it. It's not why I'm saying it. But um, and we were we were building. We're going to build a seven million pound extension, forty four thousand uh, feet square feet, and uh, we were um, in the process of planning, which we eventually got. And I remember January 08, I'd invited uh, different speakers through Ireland to come and, and um, speak at the church to, to give a prophetic word, really, to say, what's God saying to Ireland? What's God, do you think God's saying to us? I had the local uh, Church of Ireland bishop. You know, I had different people from north and south. And I invited this young man. I'd only, I'd only met him uh, twice before in my life. And, and as I'm sitting in the front row, you know, getting geared up for this incredible landmark building in Belfast. It was, it's going to be sandstone glass. Honestly, it has just been, if you, if you saw, we had a proper working model. It was fabulous. God spoke to me. And he said, Paul, that's your successor. To which I replied, I'll never forget it. I said, how can that be? Because I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> actually, I actually said, that was in my mind. I'm not going anywhere. You know, I don't think so. And I, and I look back on it, of course, you look back on things with greater clarity than they actually happened at the time, don't you? The, 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 uh, the philosopher Burke, Edmund Burke, the Irish philosopher, said every conviction was a whim at birth. Every conviction. In other words, what we look back on as the great booming voice of God was actually just a little, what was that? And I remember coming home and telling Priscilla and saying, you know, I think that he, he's, he's my successor. And, she's, and Priscilla said in her own inimitable way, keep working. That was it, get working. It was, in other words, get on with it and get on with God, what God's told you to do. But I, I suppose part of it, I look back on, I think, you know, we kind of grown comfortable. It was, a, I had 20, you know, 23 staff. I'd become the managing director of a, of a, a medium-sized company, you know, the turnover, etc. Everything was happening. And I just, it was almost as God broke through into my life and said, Paul, you're at a camp of comfort and it's time we're going to do something different. And, and whenever the final deal came, he said to me, don't, don't you build that building. Your success, it was a bit like David and Solomon. Your successor will do something. And he said, I've got something new for you to do. And we it set us in this incredible adventure, you know, that we never thought we would embark on. We thought we were going to be there for another 15 years and going to take it through and pay for it and all the rest. But God breaks through. And you know something? It's really fantastic when God does that. It's very unsettling. But you get yourself into a camp of comfort and sometimes it needs the voice of God to break through and say, it's time to move from this mountain. Comfort 
said Karl Barth, is the siren call of our age. Guess what the best-selling chair in Western Europe is? Yeah, lazy boy, the recliner, exactly. Lazy boy, not worker boy, but lazy boy. I, I honestly, I had, I, you know, I had one in my office. I brought it, I actually brought it home as Priscilla hates it. I call it my prayer chair. Because what you do is you just, you just go horizontal on it and you go, our father here, and you're gone. It's a fantastic chair. It was my sleep chair for, it's a great chair for insomniacs. It was fantastic, but I got a little bit comfortable. But the other thing, the other camp that can become is a camp of complacency. It's interesting, that one, because, you know, you're comfortable. And then complacency is you, lo- you lose sight of what is important. And, and it's one of the, it's one of the and, and I, I use the word dangerous loosely, but of a, of a vibrant, comfortable church. Because you get so comfortable, you get complacent that, that, again, this isn't about us. This is about the people who aren't here. And complacency sets into your life and something begins to happen. But there's a new land to explore. It's, it's interesting. Um, uh, Sarah Palin, who was a presidential, remember, ran, ran, she was a vice candidate. And uh, when being quizzed, she, she, was, uh, she didn't get all the answers right, shall we say. But she was asked... Um, did she know anything of foreign affairs? And she said, yes, she'd been to Ireland and done an examination of things. It turned out that she'd landed at Shannon Airport on a transit and for one hour. So it, was, it, it actually didn't quite work that way. And, 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 and because, but the point is, you know, she landed in Shannon, but of course, if you go to Ireland, there's the beaches of Donegal, there's, there's the, the beaches of West Cork, there's the mountains of Kerry, there's beautiful Belfast, there's, uh, there's, uh, there's historic Dublin. You know, there's, there was more to explore. And, and I suppose for me, I think to myself, you know, I've done a lot, I'm 62, I'm, I'll be 63 in May, and I think, Lord, I've been there and done it, but you know something, I, st- I don't want to be complacent. I think God's got more for me to do. I, think, I don't think this is all that there is uh, to life. Something begins to happen. I'm not content yet because I want to discover more of God and see him move more and do more in my life and through my life. And you, you, get, this, you get this incredible, every now and then you get little moments like that. They don't happen every day. But in, in scripture, there's, there's, a, there's several Greek words to describe uh, the word time. There's the word chronos, where we get our word chronological from, sequential time. You know, time, just normal time, life goes on every day. It's chronos. But there's another word to describe time in Scripture, and it's kairos. And it is, it's almost like a moment in time when heaven touches earth, and you get a moment in your life when Jesus passes by, and you get a chance to respond. And that doesn't happen every day. And I, th- I think there are, I think, I, I think there, it, ha- it can happen on a bus, it can happen in a meeting, it can happen anywhere. But you get the moment, and you know something? None of us, none of us, are bypassed when that when that moment comes. Now, I don't know about you, but maybe this is your Kairos moment today. Maybe this is your Kairos moment when heaven touches earth and you almost get a glimpse of the kingdom of God in a fresh way and the wonder of Jesus and what he did for you in the cross. And you say, Lord, I don't want to spend my life wandering. I'm going to be a traveler. I'm going to travel with you. For people who maybe have never actually begun this journey, you can get a Kairos moment today. You say, what, what? A moment when you can say, I don't understand everything, but I'm going to start on a journey. 
And you get that moment right now. It's called incredible Karos moments of God. I think you're in a Karos moment in this church, Leon. I really do. Without divulging, I, I, I just think there's a, there's a moment happening here. Something, something has happened. You know, you've, you, you, you've taught these people well. You, they, they, they get a sense of relationship, distinctiveness, identity, purpose, presence, all there. Then something happens. You get a moment and, and it opens up a door to possibilities and eventualities that you never thought possible. And for us today, if we're going to spend our lives wandering, then please, just ignore that. But if you're going to spend your life traveling, God gives you a carous moment. We all begin with C. One more, two more. And here's the problem. When you stay where you are and you're comfortable and you get complacent, what you find is this, that um, it becomes a camp of complaint. They, they, if I just read it down, these people started, they did everything. The food was, you know, came up and down, beamed in every day. Uh, they, they, it was all there. I mean, they did nothing to do. It was just life was incredibly comfortable. But you know something? They complained. They really did. They moaned and they groaned. And, and, and they complained about what God had done and what God hadn't do. And they hankered, they hankered rather, hankered, hankered, hankered. Uh, they, they, it's an Irish one. They hankered back to, the, to, to Egypt. And, and it's, it's, I think it's, it's very, very important because for the person who has no vision for the future, they keep going back to their past. And these people, they had no vision for going into the promised land while they were comfortable and they kept going back to their past again. The good old days of when they were in Egypt, they quickly forgot what it was really like. And, and we were, whenever you stop that incredible process of growing, something changes and you almost lose what you already had. You see, everything changes. That's, that's what I discovered. In 30 years of leading a church, I discovered that nothing stays the same. Everything changes, doesn't it? And I, I see it today. And we, go, we, we were back for the home for the month of December. We had a great month. We weren't preaching, just sat there. And we thought, you know, same heart, different package. And it needs to be. It needed a new face and a new vision to take it forward to the 21st century. I had taken it as far as I could. I hadn't realized that, but God broke in and said, Paul, I'm not giving you an invitation. Time to move from this mountain. And you... You, you, what you do is you begin to complain if you stare where you are. Your life, you become dissatisfied with what you have. And, and actually something happens. A fear grips you. Because you, you, you can't move forward. Fear is an incredible thing. I, I, I'm convinced that the, the, uh, the opposite of faith is not doubt. Because doubt's the path you, you walk on the road to faith. The opposite of faith is, is fear. And sometimes... Sometimes even when you're a, you know, you've done it and you've gone for it, something grips your heart. And uh, it was the Queen's Diamond Jubilee in, uh, in 2012. Wasn't that right? Well, in, in 2002, it was the Queen's Golden Jubilee, 50 years on the throne, Her Majesty. And when you come, when you're ever a, you're a unionist family from Northern Ireland, you know, the Queen is... The queen. What you used to have is, for whenever you were a unionist family, you had a picture of the queen. Your Catholic family, nationalist, you had a picture of the pope. It was always the, and Jackie Kennedy as well. And uh, it was <laughs> seriously that, that's true. It's it's Ireland for you. And uh, I got an invitation as part of the uh, 
the um, Irish Council of Churches executive to go to Buckingham Palace to celebrate 50 years of religious liberty in the UK. And so I went along, just me, Priscilla didn't get invited. And, uh, but, and uh, it said to the master, the, the master of the Queen's household, Pastor Paul Reed came along. And I, I went in and, you know, went do the security thing and all that stuff. I went into a room. It probably wasn't much bigger than this, a bit longer perhaps. And it was, it's called the picture gallery. And on, the, on it, you have the pictures of Van Dyke, you know, 1621, King Charles I, Queen Henrietta, the things you see in history books. And you, you look at them and they think, in the history book, you think they're, you know, they're going to be six by 12, but actually they're the size of the wall. They're, they're absolutely gigantic. They're, they're eight by 12. They're, they're, it's incredible. And the whole royal family is over the room. They're over the room. Now, the queen, she stands in the corner because you don't, you, the queen doesn't come and offer you a volivant. It doesn't work like that. There's nothing, you know, you are, you don't bump into the queen. You are presented to the queen. You're presented to the queen, to her majesty, and, you know, you bow from the waist. It's, you know, and, and, but the rest of the, all the royal family, they're all, want, they're all walking about talking to people. So for, for some, for the reason, without going into all the details, but the Catholic bishops who were invited, uh, the uh, Presbyterians, the Method, all had their conference, synod, uh, and church of they, they all had something. And I went, I was there to represent them. So I'm standing there in a, in a blue, navy blue uh, suit. And of course, I look like the world for a policeman. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. What's this we got here then? And uh, I, I, this lady comes up to me and said to me, are you a policeman? And I noticed her badge that said, Lady Farnham. A lady in waiting, and she was a she was at one of the queens. So she said to me, "It said Pastor Paul Reid," and she said to me, "What sort of a pastor are you?" And I said, "A good one." I did actually, I, I couldn't resist it, you know. So we had a so she they, she went she she sort of went oh, you know like that there, and I, and I went oh. <laughs> really honestly look, I know I know this I know I know. England, but I'm in the black country. I mean, that's, yeah, it's okay, isn't it? Can I do this here? What you notice about aristocracy is that their top lip never moves when they talk. <laughs> is that right? They go to this, hello, how are you? Hello, hello. Nice to see you. Lovely to see you today. You, you watch it, honestly. Never moves. I don't know. I think it's super glued to her front teeth, you know. And so, so she, we began to talk. It, was, it took a while to get, you know, she's going, oh, hello, how are you? I go, what? So we had this conversation. So then she, I said, well, look, you know, I'm trying to get some clarity. I said, well, look, I'm Pentecostal, charismatic, you know. And she said to me, tell me about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> the Queen's, you know, honestly, I, I froze. Honestly, just huge fear came over me. I just thought, Lord. And I, I, I was just about to say to her, I've never heard of him. You know. <laughs> I'm a, I'm, I'm a Methodist, I don't know what you're talking about, you know. <laughs> and, I, and I just, you know, and I just, it showed me again, you know, you're cruising along in life, you've been a, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't get intimidated easily, and, and even about my faith or anything, but I was in that room, I fear just struck me, and I thought, I'm going to stay comfortable here, not embarrass myself. I just felt the Lord say, tell her your story, told him a story, she starts to cry. She takes my hand, and she says, I'm not making, I make a lot of them up, but not this one, okay? And she said, she said, you must meet the Archbishop. 
So well, I'm on a roll now. So she takes she takes me over she takes me over to meet uh, David Rose, who was the Archbishop of York, and she said, uh, and they took the language I didn't understand. He went, you know. So so I said so we got you know so then he said to me uh, he said uh, I, he said I was a curate in Belfast in St Matthew's in the Shankle Road. So it was, you know, and then he said to me, so you're, you're charismatic? I said, yeah. And he said, tell me about the Holy Spirit. Well, flip me. I mean, I, I've, I have the royal family all lined up now, you know, sort of going, oh yeah, who go? Huh. Never saw the Duke of Edinburgh laugh as much in my life, you know. No, I, 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 didn't, I made that bet up there. That was a makeup bet. But, it's sort of, you know, as I look back on it, I thought, I was, what I was shocked about was the amount of fear came into my life, actually. That it, it, was, it was almost like, Lord, I, I don't know what to do. And sometimes when, you, when you're comfortable, you get complacent, you start complaining, fear sets in and it renders you immobilized and you can't actually, you're paralyzed. And it takes, it takes that, would you mind coming with me, sir? Command from God, it's time to break camp time to leave this mountain. And for some of you, it might just take that for that Kairos moment of God in your life. And as I, as I, it's about half the sermon, but can I go on to half one? Oh, fine. Okay. It's okay. And, and it's, it's simply the, the camp of cynicism. Ooh. Cynicism is a cancer. Very hard to cut out. And you, you do get it in churches. And you get it in people's lives. There's a big difference between skepticism and cynicism. Do you know what the difference is? Skepticism is doubting someone's ability. So in other words, if I said, look, tell you what, keyboard player, I'm going to play the piano in the worship later. Uh, I, I'm going to sing. You would do well to be skeptical about that, okay? In other words, you could doubt my ability. But if you were being cynical, you might say, you're only doing that because you want the glory. It doubts motivation. And what, what you find is, at least this is my experience over 30 years, that when you get into comfort and complacency, begin complaining, you get cynical. You even get cynical about your own relationship with God. And you say, I've been to the front too many times. I've had the encounter. I've had the crisis. And you know something? It's almost become an abscess. Why? I never put any process in place. And I want to, I want to challenge you at this, uh, this, this second Sunday in January, that having a Kairos moment, you say, you know something? I'm going, it's time to move from this mountain. I don't want to spend my life traveling. Or rather, I do want to spend my life traveling. I don't want to spend my life wandering. And it might be that as you look back over the last week, the last month, the last year, you say, you know something? I've been pretty busy, a lot of activity, but I've actually been wondering. Maybe today God says, let's spend 2014 together traveling somewhere. Let's set something place in our lives that I need to deal with some issues that will begin to help me work through them. And I say this tonight, or today rather, you can have an incredible encounter with God at this moment, and it will, it will be powerful and real. But if you do not process it up when you leave here, 
nothing will change in your life. It doesn't happen automatically. Nothing happens automatically. It has to be appropriated by faith. You have to actually do something and begin to move forward. And so as we come to the end here, I'm, what I like to do without being too dramatic is to give you a chance just to respond to what I've said today. And it might be that as someone who is not yet a Christian, we, we call it, and you're, you're thinking, you're, but you, you want to, it's just a declaration, you know something, I don't want to spend the rest of my life wandering. I want to, I want to travel with God and discover who God is. And as we begin this new series next week and follow, it's an incredible opportunity to begin that journey and to discover what is it really like to be a Christian. You might want to say, I put my hand up. I don't understand everything, but I count me in. I want to begin a journey with Jesus. And if, that, if that's you today, you know, I'm going to give you the opportunity to respond in a moment. It might be that you are a Christian and you've said, you know, Paul, I'm a bit of a wanderer. I want to travel. And if you respond, I want to chant, please don't do that. I'm not, I'm not, this isn't an appeal. If you love your mother, stand up. Okay, it's not, it's not one of those. You know, I, I don't want to do that. But if, you, if, you, if you're going to say today, I don't want to be a wanderer, I want to be a traveler. And you're going to do something about it. It might be that you sign up for MOT, I, 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 the, the course in the next few weeks. I, I don't know. It, it, it might be you go to Alpha tomorrow night. But something you set in place, I'm going to, I'm going to take this step, but I'm going to put something in place then the reality is that God will meet you where you are and God will honor what you've done. And if you're prepared to do that, just now, maybe we'll, maybe we'll get the band up, okay, Lee, and, and uh, let's do that because it's just, it's just nice to have music in the background, isn't it? Yeah, we're not, I'm not, not trying to hype it up or anything, but it, it certainly helps. Why don't I pray? Then I will invite you to stand where you are if you want to begin that journey of traveling instead of wandering and that you promise before God to put something in place that will help you work out what God has told you to do. It can be a life-changing encounter, but you have to commit yourself to walking in faith with Jesus. Father, I want to thank you well, actually, Lord, we're, we're sober today because there's a, there was a couple of million people, maybe a million and a half of them, who wandered for 38 to 40 years and they never actually got there. Father, we just say to you today, I don't, I don't want to be like that, honestly. I don't want to spend forever, whatever years I have left, I don't want to be a wanderer. I want to travel with purpose and fulfill my destiny. And so, Father, we want to thank you that as your people, we are in relationship with you, that we have a new identity, we have forgiveness, we've got distinctives, we've got purpose, and we have your presence. I don't want to be just comfortable and sit and do nothing don't want to become complacent. I certainly don't want to be a complainer. And Lord, would you take any cynicism out of me? If that's, if that's you today, wherever you are, I'm not going to then make you come up to the front end, but just would you stand where you are as a declaration before God 
that you want to begin traveling and not wandering. Or you want to say as a Christian, I've been wandering. I want to start traveling. So wherever you are, would you just stand right now? I want to thank you for your honesty because you stand up on these things, it isn't easy. Because remember, part of the promise is that you're going to do something about it. (laughs) If you're not yet a Christian, maybe you might want to say something like this. God, I'm not even sure that you're real. But I desperately want to know Jesus and I commit myself this day to traveling with you to make that discovery help me to do it some of you might even want to say Jesus would you forgive my sins would you make me a new person a new child again beginning all over But for many of you who are Christians, you spent too many years, some even just a month, and you've been wandering around, and God has given you a Karis moment today to say, Lord, I don't want it to be just be another Sunday where I make a response. I want to do something that's going to change the rest of my life. Father, I pray for men and women, young people all over this place who will look back on this day as a red letter, letter day when they say, Lord, Whatever it takes, I want to be a traveler with you. Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? And would you give me light and wisdom to know what I can do? And I would say to you, walk to that back, sign up for MOT, get the Alpha tomorrow night. You know, do whatever it takes. I don't know. It may be something to do with your work, a relationship. I don't know. But I do know this, that the decision you've made today has the potential and possibility of affecting the rest of your life. And for some people, the rest of eternity. And the Lord says to you, it's time to break camp. Father, thank you for Kairos moments that change our lives. that you invade us with this incredible glory. And we carry something of the divine presence and nature which changes us from glory to glory. Father, we ask that you would do that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we all stand together? Leo, I'm going to hand over.